Every married couple will face difficulties of one sort or another. Here's Barbara Rainey. Elizabeth Elliot has said this definition of suffering. She said suffering is having something you don't want and wanting something you don't have. And that brings pressure, doesn't it? That definition of suffering alone brings pressure. Having something you don't want and wanting something you don't have. And when suffering and pressure come, it will either drive a couple apart or, and this might surprise you, closer together. Welcome to the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Everthine Home, where we're dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks for listening. Today, we're going to hear a classic, timeless message on how you can handle pressure in your marriage. Early in their ministry, Dennis and Barbara Rainey co-authored a book called Building Your Mate's Self-Esteem. The principles captured in that book formed a foundation for much of what they've continued to teach on over the years. They combined two important concepts, the biblical idea of building one another up and the application of that command of scripture to the marriage relationship. If you're married, you know that the health of your marriage affects everything. And one key element is how you handle the pressures that come at you in marriage. Discussing concepts from building your mate's self-esteem, here are Dennis and Barbara Rainey speaking on keeping life manageable. Pressure. Everybody here lives under it. We try to deny that we're there. We hide it. We're driven by it. We work under it. We're squeezed by it. We're overcommitted, overextended, and overloaded. But pressure is a normal part of life. The problem is, as we fall under its squeeze, life can become a blur, and we can become its victim. David Stoop, in his fine book, Self Talk, says that some 20 to 30 million Americans suffer physical problems because of stress and pressure. He says we suffer from ulcers, sleeplessness, hypertension, weight problems, and allergies, all as a result of stress. It led Samuel Butler once to say, life is one long process of getting tired. I can identify that. I want to give you five sources of pressure. There are many, many more. What are the sources of the pressure we feel? First of all, unrealistic expectations about life, our own expectations and others. We are a society of overachievers. We are trying to accomplish too much. The most frequent question that we are asked in our family is, How do you do it all? To which we reply, We don't. We don't. (laughs) I personally think one of the most powerful words in the English vocabulary is the word no. And if you haven't practiced saying it occasionally, maybe what you need to do what we do. And you may think this is weird, but um, we walk outside. We live in the woods, in the hills of Arkansas, and and we just walk around saying no to to trees. And we'll walk up to a tree and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Uh, No, I've got a commitment that weekend. I'm going to be with my family. And uh, say no to them. Just practice saying no. And after a while, it becomes natural and it's easier to say no when people are asking you to do things. Well, a second cause of pressure and source of pressure we feel 
is activity fueled by our own insecurity. Some of us are too busy because we have a need to feel important. And we can't stand to have some space in our schedule because we might be forced to face who we are or who we aren't. Never forget sitting down with a guy who wrote a book on being a father. And his, uh, his name's Ron Rand. It's, it's called For Fathers Who Aren't in Heaven. A great book on fatherhood. And he told a story over dinner about how he coached his, his three boys' little league baseball teams, all to champions of their league. I forget the story of, of how many games they won. Well, he had no idea when he was sharing that story that I was just completing my second season of coaching and I had turned in my resignation as a little league coach. Because in two seasons, the first season, we went 1 and 15. <laughs> and the second season, we matched the first year. One victory, 15 losses. Well, you know, if, if, if I'd have been driven by that, I'd go, you know, I'm not a very good father. Um, maybe not a very good coach either, you know. But if I'd have been driven by that, I could have run off trying to do things in those kids to make them into a champion team and to pressure them and to pressure us all because I needed to, to live out my identity through my kids rather than letting them learn the agony of defeat, which they definitely <laughs> learned. What we need in our lives is balance. Balance. We need to get out of comparing ourselves with others and just do what God has called you to do. The third source of pressure that we feel is called inevitable difficulties. We have a friend who once said, if we didn't expect life to be so easy, it wouldn't be so hard. And I think that's where a lot of us are. We think life is going to be easy and we expect it to be easier than it really is. And we don't anticipate that there are going to be interruptions and crises and trials and difficulties in our lives. And so we're caught off guard by them and we're not prepared for them. C.S. Lewis said this about interruptions. What we must do is stop regarding unpleasant or unexpected things as interruptions of real life. The truth is that interruptions are real life, the real life that God sends us day by day. What we call our real life is but a phantom of our imagination. He said those unexpected things, those interruptions are real life. And I think when we can realize that the unexpected things that God sends our way day by day is what real life is all about, then we'll quit being so disappointed. Those interruptions that God brings into our lives, He brings for a reason. He wants us to evaluate what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. And that is a good kind of pressure to have in our lives. Well, there's a fourth um, thing that brings pressure to our lives, and that is the failure to plan. For us, though, there are certain times of the year that bring more pressure than others. One of those times of the year is May. May is always a busy month for us. It's the end of the school year for the kids, and there are a, thing, a lot of things going on at the schools for the kids. But there's also a lot going on for Dennis and I in the ministry, and we know that May is a really stressful time in our lives. There's another time of the year that's real stressful for us, and that's the, starting in the fall and running through Christmas. It's not just the month of December anymore. It's kind of expanded its way back in the calendar, <laughs> and it's eating up more time. But we have those two chunks of time in the calendar year that are particularly stressful for us. And what we've tried to do to help balance that stress is to try to plan sections of time where we're not doing anything on either side of that. So, for instance, this year in the month of April, we didn't have any trips planned. 
And we purposely did that because we knew in May we were going to be gone every weekend and sometimes in between. And so we planned for May by keeping April open. And we try to do that with the uh, Christmas season as well, keeping January open and not having a lot going on in there, just keeping our meetings to a minimum, keeping travel out of the schedule. And we've learned uh, by experience and by lots of failure that that's how we can handle those two difficult seasons in our lives. There was a story told by a man named Bill Butterworth about an opportunity that he had to keep his children. And it illustrates clearly how he failed to plan ahead. He was telling how a man named Joe Bailey came to their church for a series of meetings in the evenings. And because they had young children at home, they knew that they both couldn't go. He and his wife both couldn't attend these meetings. And so he decided that he would be real noble and stay home with the children and allow his wife to go to all these meetings. Well, he had some interesting experiences with his four kids who ranged in age from five, four, two, and the youngest was one month old. So he explains what happened and the pressure that he felt from not planning ahead and not anticipating the things that would happen. He said this, my four-year-old wants to know why it is that when mommy goes out, the kids have to go to bed with the lights still on. I tried to feed them dinner, a real disaster. Tomorrow night, I will feed them in the backyard. They'll eat off of paper plates and they'll be dressed only in underwear and shower caps. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> The kids always want me to read the alphabet book because they know with that book I can't skip pages. <laughs> Never close your eyes when you pray with four kids. <laughs> I always wanted to ask my four-year-old what it is like to sleep on the top bunk with his big wheel. <laughs> 60 Minutes wouldn't even do a story on our house. They'd be safer in the Middle East. The kids are all mad at me because they know now that cupcakes don't float in the tub. My two-year-old has special powers, and those of you with two-year-olds will understand. He can look at a glass of juice and it will spill. <laughs> and then he said this, I just made a big mistake. I lifted the lid off the diaper pail. <laughs> that one act clears sinuses, kills cockroaches, fleas, and ticks, and effectively discourages would-be burglars. I got angry. I said some things I shouldn't have, and my five-year-old wants to know who Joe Bailey is and why I hate him so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a fifth source of pressure in our lives, and it's the spiritual battle. And if you're in it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because it's that portion of where God begins to expect obedience of us in the midst of spiritual warfare that is taking place, an unseen battle. There are issues today that cry out for involvement. And one of the solutions that many of us come up with is to um, really ignore those responsibilities. And we want out from under them, or we want to reduce those responsibilities. It had one man come up with a little cartoon that was called The Light Church. You know, we have light salt, light beer, and other things today that are light. Everything's reduced. Well, here's The Light Church, and it, outside this church, The Light Church, was this marquee with the following statements on it. 24% fewer commitments, home of the 7.5% tithe, <laughs> only five-minute sermons, 15-minute worship services. We have only eight commandments, your choice. <laughs> we use just three spiritual laws and have only an 800-year millennium. 
everything you wanted in a church and less. <laughs> well, that isn't the solution to the spiritual problem. Because just getting rid of pressure is not the solution. In fact, the truth is pressure is good for us. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. How's a wise man walk? Well, look at this. Making the most of your time. It doesn't mean being busy. It means being effective. And what we need today are not busy Christians, but effective Christians. Christians who are doing what the will of God is in their lives. Walk as wise, but making the most of your time. Because why? The days are evil. So then, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Know where God's taking you. Be in touch with that. Be in touch with Him. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That is excess. But be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And how do you know if you're controlled with the Holy Spirit? Look at these things that occur. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I love what Bill Bright says about this next phrase, always giving thanks for all things. Bill Bright says, there should be a conspicuous absence of complaining among Christians. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And finally, the last two words, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Pressure is good. Someone has said, you know, a diamond is a lump of coal that made good under pressure. And you know, that's what we're to be. We're to be individuals and couples that together allow pressure to press us together and to press us to Christ to become a diamond and then to be sharpened and to cut away the facets by the Spirit of God so that we reflect who He is in His totality. Well, we want to give you three tips out of this passage. Be wise, be filled with the Spirit, and be subject as we go through our time together. First of all, be wise. Being wise means having skill in everyday living, skillfully handling your schedule. I'm going to give you three tips about being wise. Number one, prayerfully determine your values and priorities together. Put a box around the word together. Because that is one of the key advantages of being married today, is that you can help one another hammer out what really matters in life. The problem today is we've misplaced our values. And like the story that is told of a pair of thieves that broke into a department store one night after it, it closed, what they did was they didn't steal anything. All night long at the department store, they went throughout the department store switching the price tags on everything. A $500 camera was switched with a, a $5 book. The most amazing thing is what happened the next morning. Because the store opened and went about business for nearly four hours before anybody noticed anything was wrong. Well, you know, the same thing has happened in our marriages and in our families today. There has been an enemy that has broken in and he has switched the price tags. And he has said that career is more valuable than a kid. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 8 basically says, if you lack wisdom, 
Ask of God who gives to all men liberally, but ask in faith. And I think if you need wisdom to, to determine your priorities, your values as a couple, ask God for wisdom and then expect Him to give it and begin to act and move out. Ask God to enable you to handle the pressure that you're facing. The second tip to help us be wise is learn the art of biblical rest. Learn the art of biblical rest. God loves us and He has made it very clear uh, in the Ten Commandments that He has set aside a day for rest for us. But the problem is we think we don't need time off anymore in the 20th century and we are just racing like crazy through life ignoring that command of God to take a rest. Exodus 34:21 uh, restates that command this way. God said, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and the harvest season, you must rest. And I think sometimes we justify, at least I know we have, when things are really busy, we tend to think we don't have time for rest. I mean, it's May. We're traveling like crazy. We don't have time to take a break. We'll take a break later. And that's exactly the trap that Satan wants us to get in, because when we get that busy, we can't think clearly anymore. We need to slow down and take that break that God has commanded us to take. Now, it may not be able to uh, always occur on Sunday for you. It may be that you need to pick another day because of your work schedule. But the command is still the same, to take a Sabbath, to take a break, and to take that rest that we need. Another thing that we need to do in addition to um, taking the Sabbath is we need to learn the art of critical thinking. Thinking critically is evaluating your life. It's looking at it objectively and saying, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this really the best use of my time? Or could my time be used more wisely somewhere else? Every spring, our staff team um, takes a, a float trip together, all of us, and float a river that's called the Buffalo River. And it's a beautiful, beautiful float trip. So we all get in these canoes with all our gear and head our way down the, uh, the Buffalo River at a real leisurely pace until you run into some rapids. Near the end of this float is a particular spot that has become very, very famous for anyone who has ever floated the Buffalo River. And that spot is called Gray Rock. The reason Gray Rock is famous is because almost every time someone goes past Gray Rock, they dump in the water. Well, Dennis and I have learned that the way to handle Gray Rock is just before you get there to paddle your canoe over to the side, get out, walk downstream a little bit on the gravel bar, <laughs> and watch. <laughs> we did not carry the canoe down there. We no, no, just, no. We, we just get out and walk down. To, to watch what other people were doing yeah. down there. And you can learn a lot by other people's mistakes. So what we've done is we've gotten out and walked down and watched as other people handle gray rock. And we've learned that the way to handle gray rock is to very carefully maneuver that canoe and then paddle real hard when you get into the current so that the tip of the canoe stays away from the rock. And you don't end up smashing into gray rock, but you manage to go right on around it. But the point of the story is that it's the same in life. We need to get out of life, walk up on the side, and watch life go by and evaluate it and say, where are people failing? What do I want to avoid so that I don't become a casualty as well? How can we better handle the challenges that are ahead as a family, as a married couple? It's important that we get out of the mainstream of life, and that is the purpose of the Sabbath. A third tip on being wise, and just a couple of comments about this, is we need to practice good decision-making. 
Sometimes pressure can just come from procrastination. You know, we like to be indecisive sometimes. We have both feet firmly planted in midair. We decide not to decide. And that can create pressure in a relationship. We need to get the facts, take the time, get your mate's advice, seek wise counsel, and then make the decision. Prayerfully make the decision, but make it together as you move through life together. The first point then in ha handling pressure is to be wise. The second point in handling pressure is to be filled with the Spirit. Who is controlling you and how do you handle that pressure? God wants to fill us with His Spirit to guide us in making those right choices. And we will not be able to make right choices. We will not be able to have balance in our lives and have pressure pushing us to Christ. If we're not filled with the Spirit, it won't happen. We also need to learn the quality of contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. We need to learn to be content with what God has given us, with where God has placed us, and with the people God has given us to influence. Helen Keller has said, So much has been given to me, I have no time to ponder that which has been denied. Are you resting or are you restless? That's a good question to ask because it's a good barometer of where we are. Secondly, you need to ask God to lead you and guide you daily. Prayer is absolutely important in uh, being filled with the Spirit and in having God control our lives. And third, I think it's critical to spend time in God's Word. We will not be filled with the Spirit if we don't know what God wants us to do. We can't let Him lead us without knowing His will. And we need to do that by being in His Word. Well, we've given you two tips, be wise and be filled. And the third one from the Scriptures is be subject. This is the concept of accountability, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I believe accountability is giving another person access to your life. Maybe it's in an area, maybe it's in the whole of their lives, but it's giving them access to your life and being vulnerable to that person to admit your need to them that you need their help to handle something or to handle life. It's an admission of need in handling struggles, pressure, temptation, and it's also a willingness to hear the truth that they would say to us. Accountability, I believe, when it's properly functioning, is a warning system for us. Well, I want to give you three thoughts in, in being accountable. First of all, accountability begins by becoming accountable to your mate. I don't think accountability best begins outside the marriage. I think the best place to start it is within the marriage. To esteem your mate and to build their self-esteem by letting her know, men, that she is the most important person in your life. And accountability begins with your mate. Secondly, at the heart of accountability is teachability and honesty. You've got to be willing to hear and you've got to be willing to be truthful. Third, accountability means becoming accountable in an area of struggle or repeated failure. Barbara is my anchor here on my speaking engagements and I don't take speaking engagements without first talking to her. She protects me from my compassion from wanting to go out and rescue. And I say no because I go home and she says we can't do that. And I go, why? 
we need to go do that. She says, no. And sometimes she changes her mind. But it's a matter of partnership and teamwork together that we're accountable to one another. listening to Dennis and Barbara Rainey, explaining some ways couples can handle the inevitable pressures that will affect their marriage. Maybe it's a new thought that God might use pressure in a good way to draw you closer to each other and to Him. It's worth thinking about. I'd like to pause for a quick comment here. It may be that in your marriage, the pressure you're facing is a lot more serious than differing ideas of how to spend your Saturday. Pressure and stress can also be the result of a spouse's egregious sin against you. I'm talking about situations like abuse. In that kind of scenario, you need to get help from outside your marriage. Professional counseling, mature Christians in your church, the civil authorities, all might need to be involved depending on your specific circumstances. Don't wait, okay? This episode is a thank you to you for being a subscriber to Barbara's friends and family. Feel free to share it with others. And if you happen to be listening to this and you're not a subscriber, but would like to be, here's where you go to sign up. It's barbarainey.substack.com. You'll receive extra content from Barbara, including a special email she sends out on a regular basis, keeping you up to date on things going on in her life. Again, head to barbarainey.substack.com to subscribe. Thanks for listening today. May the pressures you encounter in your life drive you closer to God and closer to those you love. We'll see you next time here on the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Ever Thine Home.